Today on the Travel Guys. In the travel news, after several near misses on the runway, the government is calling for more air traffic controllers as more and more Americans take to the skies. And Saddam Hussein's yacht has become a macabre sort of tourist attraction. Details next in the news. In our Smarter Traveler segment at 320, we offer a, a collage of great information from a warning about vacation rentals in Hawaii to a reminder about how booking a package can save you big dollars to a heads up on passport renewals. We'll make you a smarter traveler. At 335, we'll tell you about a new Ken's, Ken Burns style museum in Gettysburg and talk about why non-flight non travel itineraries are on the rise. Amazingly, some of the uh, travel industries are actually, some folks in the travel industry, parts of it, are in favor of resort and other bogus fees. How can this be? Who do you suppose those folks could be? Mark shed some light on it at 350. Making the nuts and bolts of travel less mysterious and more understandable, we call ourselves the Travel Guys. On the road again. Yes, my friends, we're here. We're back. It's Mark and Tom, the travel and entertainment guys, always brought to you by Sports Leisure Vacation. Thanks for coming along uh, on another, it seems like Sundays, they just, whatever Every weather one. is going to move in, it moves in on Sundays, doesn't yeah. it? I mean, we could have said, we could have started out the program saying it's another soggy Sunday and it could have been on tape for probably the last six, seven weeks, it seems like. <laughs> All right. Good to see you, Mark. Uh, let's see. Where are we? Where? What's the next big event? April got uh, Easter coming up on the ninth. Yeah. And yeah. I know that I know that Sports Leisure does Christmas trips and and such. Uh, anything going on for for Easter for your travelers this year? Uh we do every year. We go up to Ironstone Vineyards, which is in the foothills near Murphy's, and it's really a pretty spot. They do an Easter brunch buffet there. And dare I say, this might be probably the best spring in, what, you know, the last 25 years to go into the foothills because wildflowers and all that kind of jazz in about three weeks should be really all over the place. So anyway, yeah, we we do a, a trip up to Ironstone, and I think there are still a few seats left if you are looking for a place to go and have a wonderful Easter brunch. Brunches were out of fashion for a while during COVID, but they are back mm -hmm. in fashion now, and this one is really well done. Uh, the bus ride and the brunch is going to set you back about 150 bucks. But anyway, if you're interested, um, give us a call at Sports Leisure Vacations, and maybe you can become part of that. But that's really about all we do for for Easter. Easter isn't a big uh, a big travel holiday. You're right, Christmas, Thanksgiving, sometimes even Fourth of July, but. Uh, and traditional holidays like Memorial Day and Labor Day, as a tour company, we try to stay away from those because those are the times when everybody else is traveling and the right. cost of traveling is a lot higher. However, um, if you're you're looking for a really great time for a really great rate, latch on to the last night of a you know like Labor Day weekend is Friday, Saturday, Sunday, so Monday, and it ends on uh, holiday ends on Monday. Get a hotel and check in on Monday night. You'll get a terrific rate because everybody else left, 
and nobody's going to be there for a few days. So anytime there's an extended weekend, that last night is a great night to check in. Anyway, ways to make you a smarter traveler right here at the top of the program. All right. Uh, at the top of every show, uh, at least close to it, we try to do our best to bring you up, da- up to date on, on the travel news. So with that being said, uh, with it, here's Mark. Carnival Cruise Lines is bragging this week. It has become the first to sail 100 million guests. I guess that is pretty impressive. 100 million guests, a lot of people. I mean, that's a lot of people. Yeah. That would be, well, a, well, if, if you were last in that line, it would be a long line. Yeah, well, uh, that's over how long a period of time? Uh, let's see. A, a good a, a good host would have known, would have anticipated the other host asking that question, but I a don't, long time, a long, yes, a long time. Um, bet that when we come back from the break, I will have that piece of information because <laughs> I will ask Google because Google knows pretty much everything. Uh, let's see. China is open to the world. You can go to China, and the question uh, has been for our last few weeks: When would the Chinese resume? traveling around the planet well china has resumed issuing visas for foreigners the united states has dropped some of the requirements for people coming from china so chinese visitors are going to be on their way soon um what does that mean there are a lot of people in china and a lot of them want to come here and international visitors not just from china but from any destination spend a lot more money in our country than we spend in theirs generally so one of the best balance of trade items on the entire list isn't widgets or automobiles or weapons or anything like that. It's travel because people come here and spend a lot more money in our country than we go and spend in theirs. And the Chinese were a huge part of that for the last couple of decades. So the fact that they are coming back will mean will be very good news for the people in the tourism industry who cater to that demographic because they mm-hmm. their business suddenly dried up and now it will be back so they will be probably very happy campers to see the chinese coming back from overseas the u.s government we've had tom you've probably read about some of these what three four five near misses on the ground at oh, airports yeah. oh yeah that's uh it, it not only uh heard about it but uh a lot of, uh, in the news, a lot of videos. Uh, mm-hmm. It's amazing to watch, and it is very concerning for all of us that fly. Well, it is. I mean, I don't want to get smushed in an airplane. I mean, that's just my, not my idea of a lot of fun at an airport. Um, so why is all of this happening? Nobody has really come up with a definitive answer, but one of the things is that the country is facing a shortage of pilots, maintenance workers, maintenance workers, and to some limited extent, air traffic controllers. So um, the National Air Traffic Controllers Association has uh, continued to plead to the government to boost staffing, staffing. And so everybody's kind of pointing a finger at everybody else. But as somebody who flies, I don't really care whose fault it is or whose responsibility it is. I just hope that those people who, whose responsibility it is will step up to the plate and say, look, you know, uh, we only have 12 controllers and we should have 15. Therefore, on this day at this airport, you can only operate 80% of the flights that you normally operate because that's all the people we have. My daddy was an air traffic controller for many years uh, in the Korean War and uh, then a commercial air traffic controller here in the States. 
for a long, long time, and I spent some of my wee years in uh, in control towers. Uh, back back then, the, there were no ladies in control towers, so the language was very different. Probably not appropriate <laughs> for a four-year-old, uh, certainly. But um, it, it's, it is a very stressful and a very exacting job. I mean, as you might imagine, you, you can't be off by it very much because then something really awful would happen. So you've got to be on the ball, and especially if you work at a big airport. My dad... Um, worked in, in Sioux City, Iowa, and in, some, in Omaha and some smaller airports as his career went on because that's where he liked to be. But if you're in one of the large airports, the, the stress of being an air traffic controller is tremendous. So you've got to have people who are really on their game. I mean, all the time on their game. And um, what we're seeing recently is 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 concerning because what it sort of maybe indicates is not everybody is on their game all the time. And when an air traffic controller makes has a bad day, it could be a really bad day for hundreds of people. So this is this is kind of important in the big picture with mm-hmm. all the things we talk about. The air traffic controllers are kind of the big they're they're the top of the pile. So yeah, anyhow, I hope that whoever is supposed to be listening to this is listening because it would be much better to talk about this and resolve it now than talk about it and resolve it after something had happened that had impacted hun- literally hundreds of people. I can see Mark uh, with his dad in the control tower, and it, with the conversation would go, Mark, which one of those switches did you turn? How many of those buttons did you push? I saw that. My dad used to let me turn on the runway lights. Oh, and well, literally, that's, that's I was relative, that's relatively safe. Either three or four years old, and when it got to be dark, um, you know, whenever that was, I mean, it was sometime between, I guess, five o'clock and maybe eight thirty in the summertime in Sioux City. Um, they would it would be time to turn on the runway lights. If I was there, Dad would let me turn them on. It was a series of, of switches, and I can remember asking Dad about. Three, starting about three thirty in the afternoon, if we could turn the lights on now, um, and him we ex- turn them on yet? Yeah. How about now? How about now? <laughs> yeah. How about, how Are about, we there yet? How about now? Yes. I can also remember being in the control tower, uh, being uh, at the airport as a little one, and Dad letting me go down to the cafeteria, which I think was somewhere on the lower part of the airport. It probably had five or six floors in the tower, and I couldn't get back to the tower because I was too little. I couldn't reach the button. <laughs> that was, you know, five or six or whatever. It was too high. I had to wait for somebody else to get come into the elevator to get back to where I was. Anyway, <laughs> probably people listening to the radio show don't really care about most of this stuff and here. Now, what is what is he talking about? And now back to the travel news. And now back to the travel news. Saddam Hussein's former yacht is an unlikely attraction. It is capsized in a river in southern Iraq. Um, and it's rusting. It belonged to Saddam Hussein. Um, it's a, a 390-foot, 396-foot long yacht. It was built in the 1980s. Um, today it's a destination for sightseers and fishermen who clamor aboard the wreck to picnic and drink tea. Interesting. So if you're planning a trip uh, sometime soon, um, to, then you could probably, to Iraq, you can probably... See Saddam's old yacht, which is on its side, and you can take a boat out there and have tea on board. 
that really that belonged is. in the weird travel news, but it was the only thing I had this week, so it had to go in the regular travel news. And finally, a great opinion piece um, from the Washington Post. I couldn't post this for you because the Washington Post has a uh, firewall to keep you from getting to this, but it basically is is uh, a guy who owns a tavern in Washington, D.C., and he's talking about the headline is Diners Don't Want to Be Surprised by Service Fees, and he's talking about uh, – you know, some restaurants now are adding in automatic gratuities and laws are being changed some places so people are being paid real wages and aren't as dependent on gratuities or the gratuities being folded into the cost of the meal so it's no longer up to the diner um, as to whether or not, you know, it's just you're, you're supposed to get good service like you would in a department store and you don't have to tip for it. So some different things are being tried post-COVID here, but it's interesting to see a man who owns and runs a restaurant to say, that people really don't want um, to be – they don't want to go into a restaurant and get the check and be surprised by a 4 or 5 or 6 or 10% fee that they hadn't been expecting. And his point is that, you know, if you feel like that you have to do something like that, make absolutely certain that your guests know up front. He says nobody's going to let get up and get out of your restaurant, walk out of your restaurant, because you were honest with them and told them about this fee. He said it's possible they may order a little bit less, but he said they're not likely to get up and walk out. But he said that the, the, the bad feelings and PR from guests who go into restaurants and then are hit with the fee at the end, at least when you're buying a hotel online or an airline ticket and it comes to fees and stuff like that, well, you've got to kind of agree to it before you walk away with the ticket. You go into a restaurant, you've eaten your meal, and now the bill comes and you're in San Francisco or Seattle and there's this employee benefits fee or something like that that might have been disclosed on the menu, but it was in such tiny type in a place where there's no way anybody would have seen it. And this guy's point is that as an industry, the restaurant industry doesn't need to do that. Just be upfront with people. And it was refreshing because as a business person, I've always found that if you're just honest with your customers and you tell them the reason that you're charging for whatever and why you're charging for it, there will be a few who will not be happy with you. But some of those people will continue to do business with you, and the rest of the people will appreciate the fact that you are upfront and honest, and now they can make a buying decision and know what a product is going to cost. And that's kind of what this man is talking about in the travel industry is there are too many cases where you either don't know what it's going to cost. The hotel advertises two ninety nine, but by the time you've bought the room and all the taxes and fees have been added, it's closer to three ninety nine. And you're like, whatever happened to the two ninety nine back at the beginning? I digress right. again. That's your travel news for today. There you go. And uh, as as of right now, Mark has not added that ten percent to sports leisure vacation vacations uh, for his retirement fund. That is that is still not on the on the table. So everything is fully disclosed. Here we are, uncensored. <clears throat> <laughs> probably should be. I don't know be. why I said that. Yeah, I, no, but we probably, when you bring that point up, we probably should be. I think that's why they, isn't that why that thing that you that is you say at the beginning of the program? The disclaimer, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Do you said you said the, the 10 second delay on us, Caitlin? Do we, do we, we on a 10 second delay? Oh, good. All right. We'll, we'll test you on it later. <laughs> Just kidding. Anyway, it's Mark and Tom, the travel and entertainment guys, and let's get to it. We got some stuff to make you a smarter traveler. And where do we begin, Mark? We How do. About, well, uh, 
I, I've Vacation got a couple. Rentals? Yeah, well, um, yeah. Before we get to that, I have uh, American Airlines is offering a saving on Mexico bookings. I don't know if that's because they've gotten soft the last couple of weeks, or if that was just a planned thing on their part. JetBlue Vacations has up to four hundred off dollars off on some of their packages for a limited time. Um, there are links to those two, American and JetBlue, at TravelGuysRadio.com. So if you're thinking of a Mexico vacation or just a vacation to anywhere, the JetBlue thing is worth checking out. And the reason I mention these, um, we don't get paid for these guys didn't didn't pay anything for the for the mention, but I mention them because a lot of times packages can save you a tremendous amount of money over just buying a hotel, buying an airline ticket, buying a transfer. Um, a lot of times uh, cruise lines will offer, you know, the night's hotel before the cruise ship sales mm-hmm. and maybe transfers, and those are included in the in the price that you're paying for a cruise, and you're getting it at a, at a discounted rate, whereas if you bought the cruise and did all that yourself, it would be more trouble. Um, and you would and you would probably pay more money for it. Same thing with a hotel and like a, a Disneyland visit or something like that. Frequently, you'll find, especially if you're staying in a Disneyland-owned hotel, that the cost of the tickets and the hotel is considerably less when you buy them together. Tom, I know you have taken your family on on trips to Disneyland and places like that. Yeah, they do. You know, of course, the price of the hotels are, are really, really high. Uh, they're on property, which means that you don't necessarily need a car. There's other savings there. Uh, but, yeah, they'll put together a package for you. And, and you're right. Uh, you know, it's not going to be half, uh, but you could probably save anywhere from 25 to 35 percent overall. Yep. And, and And the thing is, though, as we often preach here, when it comes to travel, you need to do your homework. Because not every package deal is a deal, so um, it, it's it's just like anything else that you buy. Sometimes you you look at it and you, the package price turns out to be more than the individual components, and there's really no explanation for that. But just you know, do your homework a little bit. But there is, as Tom said, I would say his numbers are pretty accurate. A, a, a quarter to a third is what you can reasonably say save when you buy a package. I know when somebody buys a package tour from from my company, um, we get a lower rate on hotels. We get a lower rate on airfare. Of course, we have to add a markup to what we do. But then again, you have to also decide how much is your time worth when you're putting these things together, and then how much is the expertise of the person who's doing it for you worth. If you go out and everything goes perfectly and your vacation has no hassles, what was that worth as opposed to getting to the airport and, oh, my God, there's no car reservation, and now what do you do? Or get to the hotel, and the type of room that you asked for is not the type of room they have you down for, and the hotel is sold out. So sometimes expertise is a good thing if it's truly expertise. I know our good buddy Gwen Duncan, who who books cruises for people, has a lot of expertise in the area of cruises and probably some other areas of travel, too. So you have to find somebody who really can contribute something. Okay, a couple of other things here. U.S. passport uh, renewal waiting time is bad, and it soon could get worse. Why? More and more people are are applying for renewed passports because for a couple of years, nobody went anywhere. So a lot of passports expired and people didn't renew them, and now they're all renewing them all at once. So may I suggest to you, if you're planning on going somewhere for the holidays 
at Christmas or Thanksgiving that's out of the country, go dig the passport up now. Make sure it's going to be valid for at least six months after you return uh, from whatever country you're going to because many countries require that. Not all, but many do require that your passport be valid for an extended time after you plan to return. So you want to know that. And you want to make sure you don't want to be a month from your trip and be going and looking every day to see if you've got your passport. So that's just an extra hassle you don't need. So do it now. This is words of wisdom. You need to renew your passport. Do it way ahead of when you need to do it because otherwise you're going to get into a situation where you're running down to San Francisco at the last minute and you're paying for hotel and a lot of extra fees and stuff to get it renewed at the last minute. Finally, Smarter Traveler. One of Hawaii's largest vacation rental companies, um, you know, like an Airbnb, uh, Vacasa, V-A-C-A-S-A, has some real issues going on. So if you are headed to Hawaii sometime soon and you're thinking vacation rental and you're shopping still, this company has become one of the biggest in Hawaii. They have some some real issues going on. I'm not going to go into big, great details here. And legally, I'm just reading from a couple of press releases. So uh, you want to just take a look. Their stock has fallen by 90%. Um, they have grown tremendously in a short period of time. They market over 1,000 Hawaiian vacation rentals, V-A-S-A-S-A. Um, is the name of them. And if you go online and take a look, it's probably something you want to steer clear of for a little while until they get done with their problems. Um, Airbnb is the gold standard for renting a Hawaii, vac- Hawaii vacation rentals. They don't pay me to say that, but the reality is that their ratings are much higher. So do your homework and be careful if you're about to get a vacation rental in Hawaii. We were talking about passports a little earlier, and we're going to have a link there that uh, will link you to information and locations to get that passport and get that passport updated. So that's at TravelGuysRadio.com. Can't emphasize enough how important that is. good friend of mine just a few short weeks ago called me up in a panic because they had realized that his wife's passport was only good for three more months. They, they had She had renewed hers once, or he had renewed his. Anyway, they didn't have the same renewal date. And he was like, what can I do? And I'm like, well, you know, at this point, really the only thing you can do is drive to San Francisco and walk it through the system and hope that they aren't so busy that they can turn it for you in a day or the same day. But um, And sometimes that works, but it's a tremendous amount of stress and hassle and so really, 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 really emphasize, if you're going to need a new passport any time this year, then now is the time to start looking at renewing it. Yeah, and, and do you have even a wild guess right now as to start to finish on a new passport? Are we talking months? Renewals are taking four months. I, I don't have any update on new uh, ones, but, that is a, but that's an excellent question. Um, as to as to when they're 
you know how long new ones are taking. But if renewals are taking four months, then new ones can't be going all that quickly. I mean, really and truly, do it do it now. Hey, listen, we're talking a lot about international travel here. Um, next week on the program, we're going to have a guest, um, Clayton Whitehead, um, president at Sports Leisure Vacations, who does a lot of international traveling and has set up um, trips to Greece and Scotland here recently um, for our company and. Clayton is kind of the big guy on international travel, and I noticed that just about every time he has time to put something together and get it on the market, boy, people just jump on it right away. So it's obvious that international travel is really hot right now as people perhaps are making up for for lost time. Anyway, he's going to come on the program next week, and we'll talk to him a little bit about international travel. Maybe he can give us a few tips um, on things that you should know when you're heading across a big pond. Or something like that, or to some place where English isn't the first language. Uh, little little things. Clayton does a lot of that kind of travel. Um, our friend Joe Brancatelli uh, opined an article last week. Joe has been on the Travel Guys a couple of times. Joe does uh, has a, a website, a blog called Joe Sent Me. I find it it's a paid blog, um, so I find it to be one of the more entertaining. One's because Joe kind of sort of because people pay to be on his site and he doesn't have advertisers, he can sort of tell it like it is because he's not beholden to anybody. And uh, so he wrote a a, a thing datelined uh, last Saturday saying, sit down, shut up and buckle up. And basically his whole point was that um, people who make it a habit of roaming around the aircraft uh, while the plane is in the sky, whether they've got children or their family didn't get seated together or grandma's up in row 10 in Economy Plus with grandpa and the family's back in the cheap seats or whatever it is, and they're moving around or you're just somebody who has to get up and move around during a flight because of physical limitations of being in a plane for four or five or six or 14 hours. His point is that airplanes are not a place for physical fitness or conversation while standing in the aisle. Um, he's like, not only are you in the way for people who are trying to do their business or get to and from the restroom or whatever, but um, really and truly, if you're on an airplane, um, you should sit down and put your seatbelt on. And if you didn't get all of that, the second part about putting your seatbelt on, we've had how many instances lately where people and things have gone flying around the aircraft because um, you know anything that's on your tray table, the plane drops 500 feet. Um, anything on the tray table that isn't attached to the tray table is going to the ceiling immediately. That would also Including include you, you if, if you're not attached yes. to your seat. There seems to be a story, at least monthly, if not even more frequently than that, of injuries that have occurred as a result of uh, turbulence uh, and people being injured because they were not uh, buckled up. Oftentimes, and his and, and Joe's whole point to this is that that's all needless. I mean, people who are flight attendants and stuff like that. They're roaming, they're moving around planes, and they're taking a risk in many cases. But when the pilot comes on and says, "Flight attendants, take your seats," that's a sign, boys and girls, that the pilot thinks there's some danger to his staff. <laughs> so that if even if you to that point you've ignored everything or you've cheated and unfastened your belt every time the flight attendant went by you, that's a sign that you need to pay attention. And and to Joe's point here, he's kind of being a New Yorker and saying, look, you know, if you get hurt on the airplane, it's going to be a huge inconvenience for everybody else because you were an idiot 
and now you're hurt, and now the airplane has to make an emergency landing, and our whole trip is ruined, and he's kind of being a little facetious there. But his point is, that is well taken, is that if you just would follow some basic rules, then all of us would be better off. Um, new museum in Gettysburg. This kind of is cool. Uh, I'm taking a group to Gettysburg in December, and so they put, you know, the Battle of Gettysburg is the big thing that happened there, the big Civil War battle, and it was huge. Uh, a lot of munitions and a lot of cannonballs flying and a, and a lot of shots being fired. And people lived in that little town. And all this was going on around them. So this museum chronicles what it was like to be there for the Battle of Gettysburg and not to be a soldier, but to be a civilian. And it cost them $12 million. It's 25,000 square feet. Um, it opens to the public on April the 15th, uh, has some uh, some artifacts from uh, Gettys- Lincoln's Gettysburg Address, which uh, was done there in 1863, in November of 1863. might not have been too warm. Um, anyways, this is just something that I can't wait. They say it's like sitting in a house and being – and they recreated not just gunfire – but the sound of a musket being fired or the sound of a musket passing through the kind of wood or the kind of metal that it would have passed through 160 years ago. So, you know, all the Ken Burns stuff on TV, mm-hmm. Tom, how exacting and, and, and how much detail they go into to make sure that they have some accuracy for what they're they're producing. So it sounds like what we have here is a museum kind of by from the – the guy on the street's point of view or the guy in the house on the floor's point of view of this incredible historic battle that went on and what it was like to be there during that time. I'm expecting uh, that since they're, they, it's new, uh, they're using a lot of new technology uh, in regards to cinematography, special effects, whatever, uh, to create... Uh, the kind of things that you were just talking about. It's not going to just be a uh, walk through and look at the stuff inside a cabinet uh, or on the wall. There's going to be a lot more to it. To look Burns it went, uh, Ken Burns went to Gettysburg to see a preview um, of it. And he said, it's just, he said, I don't think I've ever seen anything like this before. Cool. So if Ken Burns says that, I'm willing to take his word for it, that it might be somewhat cool. So if you're headed anywhere near Gettysburg um, after the 15th of April, uh, let's see here. What is the name of it here? Beyond the Battle, called the Gettysburg Beyond the Battle Museum. So a really unique look at what it might have been like to be in the middle of something like that. Um, Really cool. Is that trip? Is that trip all sold out for you? No, we haven't even started selling it yet. So, uh, but when I saw this, I thought we we go uh, in early December around Christmas time. Gettysburg, the little town of Gettysburg, they have a a weekend in early December when all things Christmas come out, and every social club and group and stuff like that has a cookie sale or a bake sale or sells something to raise money, and the whole town just turns into this wonderful community-oriented place. And so we go and spend a few nights there, and we go. then we go over to Hershey, Pennsylvania, and spend some time there. And this year we're adding the Christmas markets in Bethlehem 
uh, Pennsylvania. So it's early, early December. I'll talk about it um, later on or something like that. Um, we ta- said we were going to talk about a little bit about the rise in non-flight itineraries, which is kind of hard to say and leaves people a little bit confused. And what we're talking about is people who are traveling and not taking to the sky. So well, road trips. Yeah, they're they're taking a car or a train, or they're they're going. Sure. Uh, they're, they're doing what's called intermodal travel. Maybe they're going someplace and they're renting a kayak to get to their final destination, or they're hiking into a place or something like that. A lot more of that going on. Of course, as someone who takes people places, uh, and that's my living, I am very much aware of the fact that one of the major pollutants on the planet is the exhaust uh, from aircraft flying around the planet. So travelers are not making things a whole lot better. And some of us buy carbon offsets and things like that to try to say, well, okay, I messed up the sky, but here's some money to make something else a little better in its place. I don't know if that's a fair comparison or not, but that's what uh, some of us are doing. But more and more people are choosing itineraries that don't involve air travel. And so um, to give you an idea, 20 years ago, major vacations, 93% involved air travel on some level. That was 20 years ago. That was the peak um, as people, more and more people took to the air. Now it's down to 71%. So that's 7 out of 10 as opposed to 9 out of 10. Now I'm talking about major trips, not someplace where you're just going for the weekend. But, you know, you're going 500 to 1,000 miles. There's an option to take an airplane and be there in an hour or to take a train and be there if it's Amtrak, God knows when. Um, and if it – and well, I mean, you, you, you ride, you laugh, but you ride Amtrak when you absolutely positively don't give a damn when you get there. Um, because that's, that's just sort of – and then you don't have yeah. to worry about it. Because it doesn't matter when you get there, so it doesn't matter when you leave, doesn't matter when you get there. And it's not a bad experience riding on Amtrak. It just you can't if you're if you're real time attached, why then you can't do that. Anyways, more and more people are choosing to travel without enlisting an aircraft. And some of those people who are intentionally trying to do something that doesn't hurt the environment as much. And some of them are people who are just looking for you know, they're tired of of the whole airport airline experience. God, I can't blame them for that. Um, so you, you can't make your trip about the airport experience. You have to do that as best as you can and then move on to, to something else. So congratulations to those people who are getting more creative. It looks here like um, canoe rentals, the number of companies that make um, canoe rentals available, the number of outfitters for backpacking um, in the high country where you can go to a particular point and then rent the equipment if you don't have it, has gone up um, 200% in the last 10 years. They attribute some of that to COVID and people wanting to get away to their own place. But the amazing say, thing they say is that um, the number of these trips continues to increase. And as we're coming up on another summer here, a lot more people are choosing to travel without involving an airplane. So there you have it. Uh, let's see. Mark has disappeared, but he's just about to come back. I'm watching him right now on uh, on our FaceTime. He's putting his headphones on as we speak and is sitting down and now joining the show only about 20 seconds late. Welcome back, Mark, <laughs> to the Travel Guys. <laughs> yeah, in case you were wondering if this is really live radio or not, um, yeah. indeed it is. And so even the Robins are not real happy about the weather today. 
There's a, an area where rainwater collects behind my office, and the robins come and they do their bird bath thing. And I hadn't, I'd never actually seen a bird take a bath until a few weeks ago when the robins were out there. And yeah, I've been You've, digressing a lot today. People probably in the air probably noticed it. For a professional travel guy that's been around for 43 years, uh-huh. the fact that you have not seen a bird take a bath uh-huh. is somewhat amazing. Okay, let's get to it here. Speaking of amazing, uh, your 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 headlines here alluded to, amazingly, there are some people who are actually in favor of resort and other bogus fees. How can that possibly be, and who are these people, and what can we do to them? Well, this is, it's really kind of surprising, Tom, that at this point, I mean, you asked travelers, surveys of travelers, and you don't even see the surveys very much anymore because if you ask travelers, how do you feel about people springing fees on you that you weren't expecting um, and adding them to your bill? I mean, there's not very many people who say, oh, wow, that's a terrific idea. I think that's wonderful. Perhaps we should encourage them to do that. I mean, you know, people don't say that. So... Uh, Many people are polite about it, or I'm sure some people, like myself, when somebody springs something like that on me, I think, oh, well, um, you know, I go to McDonald's the other day. There, The drive-thru says that uh, buy one of these products, it's this price. Buy two of them, it's a special price. I say, I'll take two of them. They say that that special isn't available. I'm like, what do you mean it isn't available? It's on the menu right here. I can I can see it. No, it, it's not. I said, well, I invite you to come out here and read it yourself because, indeed, it is – I'm looking at it. And they say, well, we're not offering that at this. We've asked our IT person to take that down, and we're not offering it at this. And I thought to myself, wow, wouldn't it just been simpler to give me the special deal, which, you know, saved me a buck and a half, rather than explain to me why you're idiots? <laughs> um so that's just the McDonald's, but lots of people eat at McDonald's when they travel. Um, that was just an example of one place saying, well, yeah, I know you're looking at the price, but that's not the price. And so that's kind of um, these resort and other, they call them destination fees, amenity fees. And uh, to get this, I'm not even going to name this guy which hotel chain he's from. But he's quoted in a major travel publication, quote, many of our customers want to have the choice to be able to add things to their package and resort fees give them a chance to do that economically. That is the biggest pile of BS I have heard in a long time that people well then why don't you put a sign on the counter that says, hey, if you want a bottle of water, it's two bucks. Instead of saying, we've included two bottles of water in the resort fee in your room, which is $22. And, uh, oh, it also includes admission to the gym and long-distance phone calls, since you all have cell phones now, and a bunch of other things that are virtually worthless to you, the traveler, or have always traditionally been free. So now we're going to charge a fee for this. And if they think they're fooling people, and to have a major hotel executive and there are three guys, uh, two guys and a lady quoted in this in this article, all of whom are major executives. And again, I'm not going to tell you which chains they're from because it, it, it's all equally ridiculous to suggest for a second that these – I have never seen a resort fee that offered true value. I've never seen a resort fee where a hotel said, we're adding $30 to your bill Here's a $50 food and beverage credit. I've never seen it. It might exist somewhere, 
And if somebody knows of it, I invite them to go to TravelGuysRadio.com and send me a note, and I'll mention the people on the air. But the truth of the matter is that um, these resort fees, they're a cash grab. And to call them destination fees or amenity fees. And the funny thing is that the employees who are explaining them to you know that they're a ripoff. And they're trying to justify it because their bosses said, when people get angry about this, here's what you say. And you can tell they don't believe what they're telling you, but this is what they've been told to tell people, and so this is what they say. It's just unbelievable to me. And, and the other thing is that tell people up front. Just tell them up front. The McDonald's example I, I was speaking of, put a little sign on the drive through you know, menu board that says, we're this – special is not available at this restaurant so you there is no confrontation there's no i see this you're not doing it it's the same thing whereas i go on to the hotel's website and it says the room is 299 and by the time i get done with the taxes and the resort fees and all that stuff it's 397 so it wasn't 299 to start with so why couldn't we just have the the real price up front and for a hotel executive or a set of hotel executives to suggest with a straight face, that there's something good in this for consumers. They're just absolutely full of it. I mean, they're, they're just, there, are, there are not words I can say on the radio that accurately describe um, how far off base they are. Well, you know, uh, there are hotel chains, uh, and particularly places like Vegas and Reno and Tahoe, that if you visit there frequently, uh, they'll offer you uh, free stays. Hey, come stay two, three nights. And then you you look into it and they say, well, you're going to have to pay the taxes. Mm -hmm. That could be 35 bucks right there. And then they'll say, oh, yeah, got to pay that resort fee. So, uh, and oh, yeah, by the way, Sunday through Thursday. Yeah. So, and if you look into it, you'll find that you could have gotten that room for back in the old days before the resort fees uh, for 45 bucks for the night because there's nobody coming anyway. So watch out for that. Oh, stay three nights for free because yeah. it will not be free. Um, hey. There's another thing we should mention here. We discovered this at spring training. Uh, they aren't taking at all the spring training stadiums. You could not spend cash. Everything was credit card. So here's something that's happened now. The credit cards are what they've done is the price at the concession stand used to include the tax. You bought a hot dog, it was 5 bucks, included the tax. Now you give them your credit card, the hot dog is $6 now or $7, and the tax is added on top of it. So they used to have the tax built into the price, no more. Now they're able to add the tax on top of the price. In essence, they've raised the prices twice at every entertainment venue that is telling you now that you can't use cash, you can only use credit cards. So um, there's not really anything you can do about it, but your bill has gone up. Whatever the effective tax rate is in the area where you're buying, your bill has gone up the cost of inflation for the product and the tax rate also. Yeah, no, that is if you go to uh, go to a Kings game and you go to the uh, concession to get some mm -hmm. popcorn yep. or a beer or whatever, uh, expect to use your card. They will turn you down. People are turning you down when you hand them a $20 bill. Keep it. It means nothing. Yep. All right. We're about to the end of the line here, Thomas. Next week, we're going to have Clayton Whitehead to talk about some international destinations and why those are at the top of everybody's list right now. For me, I'm just going to say dance like nobody's watching. All right, my friends, you have a wonderful week. Stay well. We'll see you next week right here 
On the Travel Guys, thanks for coming along. 